1. Blue Light Midway through my life's journey, I saw the lights of a police car in my rearview mirror. In a blackout, only snapshots come back to you, providing subtle hints of a night gone sideways. Usually, these memories are of the worst scenes of the night. Once the mind has already checked out, certain still-shot images still register in the wetware. I managed to get to the side of the road and go through a proper arrest. I recall refusing the sobriety test not because I wanted to contest the policeman's assessment in court, but because I could barely stand up. I'd been driving 35 miles per hour on a 65 mile per hour highway at 4 a.m. with no shirt and no shoes. The mistake of that day had been made many hours prior to these sirens, when someone offered me a shot of liquor. I stayed strong and said no. Actually, I only said no once, then I gladly took the shot, and then another, and another. I liked claiming that if I just stick to beer, nothing could go wrong. Light beer keeps the madness away, I believed, since you can't drink it fast enough to get really stupid. This is not actually true, but it lengthens the process of getting wasted. That I even needed to consider this possibility speaks for itself. This propensity I considered a normal feature of young men from rural places or working people, fortifying my bias with a remembered passage from the novel, Winesburg, Ohio, about the men from the country coming to town for a rowdy night. The passages. Under the influence of drink, the naturally strong lusts of their natures, kept suppressed by the heroic labor of breaking up new ground, were released. A kind of crude and animal-like poetic fervor took possession of them. On the road home, they stood up on the wagon seats and shouted at the stars. Sometimes they fought long and bitterly, and at other times they broke forth into songs. So for me, to drink was to relax and let loose, and let go of the frustrations and struggles of the day or week. I suspect that this is true for many people, but there's a problem in this notion for some of us that like to shout at the stars. There is a saying among AA meetings, one is too many, and twenty is not enough. I had known for a long time since the first time I ever drank alcohol, that I was prone to excess. Not only prone, but I yearned to overdo it. In high school and college, the slogan was, a day is not wasted if I am. Escapism was a way of life. I found others with the same reason for existence, as we like to do for our vices. We found camaraderie in drinking hard and finding oblivion. Together, but apart in our stupors, we were modern lotus eaters. Thus the way of life I subscribed to in high school and college became a continuation into adulthood, even into parenthood. And though I could keep the worst of nights to a minimum, sooner or later the urge to go off the deep end with drinking returned, just as it always had for all the drunks through the ages. The illusion of control plays the repeatable trick upon those of us who like to escape. In so many ways, the drug finds a path into our nervous system so that it can again reign over us. I recall making the officer laugh while sitting in a bright office while he booked me. Even then, under arrest, I had the need to please people, to try to charm as best I could, to avoid confrontation and evade difficult conversations.
As a middle sibling, I seem to have found the way to walk the line. And how to lie, too. Lying allowed me to isolate and avoid people, life, and the small burdens of my really easy and charmed life. I didn't much care to be yelled at or made to feel dumb. Those two insecurities, well, I'll come back to those and a few others. The drunk driving charge would have taken me to jail immediately, but being so stinking drunk, I was dropped at an overnight detox center first. The night was a blur, and I neglected to use my phone call to contact my wife for fear of waking her, only to leave her searching frantically for me the next day. There's much more to that part of this irresponsible story that I could go into, but suffice it to say that a general mode of selfishness ruled me. And my arrest was past due. Drunken driving charges should have been pinned on me years before, but somehow I'd slipped through the net. Buzz driving on the weekend was normal, and more than a few times I woke up without knowing how I had got there until I looked outside to see my car. So the day of being arrested loomed over me for two decades. And finally, like many of my friends who were arrested before me, it was my turn. We had a sense of humor about getting in trouble. Screwing up gave us a cool story as if we were still rebelling against a teacher from middle school. We shared a fake apathy as a core value, even while we worked hard to further our professional lives. The reality is that my life lacked any difficulty, even if I had not grown up wealthy. I was from the 80s and 90s, and I had faced little or no hardships. I had never missed a meal. Uh, like most middle-class kids, I, I wanted to get wasted, just like the heavy metal and rap and even country music glorified. I loved all that music. To smoke and drink at every opportunity, to black out, to wake up in strange places. That's what I enjoyed, or not so much enjoyed as sought for escape. There was something to the killing ourselves to live mentality with Nirvana's nihilism and Snoop Dogg's praise of weed and disrespect of women and fight club and rage against the machine and smashing pumpkins. I mean, the 90s really hated authority, and I was part of that. Of course, it was cool because the music and idols broke all the rules. They scoffed at the proper society our parents tried to emulate, or at least they pretended toward. Between the fall of the Soviet Union and the rise of the internet, a vacuum had been flipped on in that end of history period. The good people, the adults of the community that cared, they could not contend with the surrounding influences of the world. And before I had ever heard of a religious nun or unaffiliated, I had arrived to that desolate place through culture, but accelerated by the discovery of alcohol. Along with alcohol, I added a second drug of books. Knowledge was the additive, and together booze and books can act like mortar and bricks to build a powerful wall to hide inside. I was rather obsessed with reading everything that I could get my hands on, and as any seeker knows, one book leads to another, and the more you learn, the more you become convinced that you know almost nothing at all. The depths and nuances of knowledge slip away like eels as you can read one argument today and the counterpoint tomorrow, only to feel yesterday's seemingly solid worldview vanish from beneath you. The tales of my Bible could no longer keep up with science, 
literature, and technology. There was just too much information, just too much to take in. So I would drink from the books and then drink from the bottle, and just as soon as I thought I knew everything, another subject could be found to upend the prior subject. Through it all, I held a sense of righteousness and morality, thinking that I was right all the time, and surely I felt that most people were more ignorant than my well-read self, as this was pursuit of knowledge, and that was one of my chief insecurities. I drank, yes, but it was because I didn't need the crutch of religion, of faith in the sky fairy. That nonsense was an empty cup, so I felt. Mine was full, and I had a cup in both hands. With science as a sword and the history of religious violence as my shield, I scoffed at all faith. I had bet the house against Pascal's wager that indeed it was better to rule in heaven, in hell, than serve in heaven, if that's what it took to declare reason as the preferred path as the road less traveled. With my cosmology of materialism hammered down, come what may, I was a good person with some flaws who just needed to take an occasional break from drinking to get back under control. Everyone has their vice, right? In fact, isn't it always those who pretend to have no vices, where the sickness is worst, where the most heinous acts tend to flourish? My vice, often a public one, allowed an open door to the skeletons in my closet. The only difference between me and a priest or a rabbi or a guru was that I knew how to have fun. And it was fun until it wasn't. Because the motivation for all of the reading and the drinking wasn't knowledge and escape. The urge came from the void, the pit of emptiness, which I thought could be filled with words and buried with a buzz. The snapshot of that dazzling blue light splash in the rearview mirror is almost a work of art in my mind, since that image marks my arrest and my about face toward that void. It was the best day of my life.